This episode of the Severe MMA Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Guys, you're going to brush your teeth today. Why is that? Because it's healthy. It's part of your day. You don't want bad teeth. Do you know what? I want to take you to another step and add in skincare habits to your daily routine too. I did. Graham did. I know a lot of the people who've tuned into the Severe MMA Podcast did over the last while and we're never going back. We're hooked on Caldera Lab. It's high performance, min skincare Products use the promo code Severe MMA for twenty percent off at CalderaLab.com. I told you last time around that first impressions matter. Your teeth and your skin are, are the first thing somebody notices about you. Backed by legit clinical trials, I found ninety four percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using our products for only uh, a few weeks. Caldera Lab is the regimen you've been looking for. It's incorporated skincare before you brush your teeth, guarantees you. Uh, not to mess up your routine, leaving your uh, your breath fresh, but also your face refreshed uh, as well. Habit stacking, habit hacking, whatever you call it, do them both together. You know, as I said, brush your teeth, do the skincare. Caldera Lab is here to take your daily routine to skin royalty. Take my word for it, or one of the thousands of the five-star reviews. Even better, it's easy to use Caldera Lab because it's a simple solution for the regimen that includes three products, the Clean Slate, the Base Layer, and the Good. Um, the, the Clean Slate is the one to start your day. It's a face, wa- face wash uh, that leaves all skin types refreshed. The Base Layer is a good daily moisturizer to hydrate your skin to start uh, your day full of confidence. And the Good is your go-to multifunctional serum uh, at night that helps your skin look uh, tighter and smoother as well. It helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines Every drop of the serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units to protect your skin. No other brand does this. Better yet, Caldera Lab is the only brand that cares about this enough to even know. And the Caldera Lab Icon Serum, that's absolutely fantastic as well. It addresses the three most common signs of uh, skin concerns around the eye, the fine lines, the dark circles, and the puffiness. So one minute in the morning and night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Habits don't get much easier than that. Um, and like, this is just for our audience. This is an exclusive offer. This is our best offer available anywhere. Use the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off right now. To get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and make unforgettable first impressions that lead to the charming words. Oh, you look younger. 20% off at calderalab.com with the code SEVEREMMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the Q&A. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. 
Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 434 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the Trent Alexander-Arnold of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a massive week in the world of mixed martial arts. We had um, two big enough fights last night, and we're going to have your first look ahead to Bellator Dublin, so a big preview for that coming up here. But we're going to look back at last night first, Graham, because we are... uh, we're very uh, fresh from it because uh, I know the two of us slept in last night and we uh, we watched it this morning. I watched it back um, and I did it because I Bellator's coming up this week and I'll be traveling up. So I was like, I better get my sleep in order before next week or I'll just be walking around like a zombie. So uh, it's it's been, I, I'd say it's nearly been months since I've done this. And to be honest, I love it. I woke up this morning at, I think it was around quarter to nine. And I watched uh, the. I didn't even look at my phone. I watched the co-main event and main event. And I know normal people like in Ireland and the UK are probably like, "What are you talking about, Sean? We do that every week." But this is very unusual for me, and I love doing it. It's my favorite thing. You get a, like I feel like you get a more clear head watching fights, and you're not that tired and stuff. I love it, but it, still, it doesn't take away what happened in the fights. Bit of controversy, I would say, in the main event. We haven't even talked bit, about bit, it. Bit of controversy. Is that all you're going to give us? I don't, well, I'm going to give it a bit more than that. I think, but. What do you? Th- I haven't seen much of the, you know, the the hoopla or anything. I saw a few tweets and things like that. What, what was your thoughts? How, how did you score it first of all? Um, well, I think the, the the talk online was like, uh, I assume I actually barely saw. I just had a quick um, scroll through my Twitter feed just before we started, but uh, I haven't looked into it in depth or anything. But it seems like, and it seems correct to me that just at ten eight in the last round from uh, for um, Grasso is just like mind-boggling from Michael Bell and I think Michael Bell uh, cocked up a, a scorecard earlier was it the the Jack Dallin Madalena Kevin Holland he gave Kevin Holland the first two rounds of that which I don't think anybody would agree with um uh so yeah uh, it's it's just a disgraceful uh, 10-8 really like uh yeah she had her back and like went for like a couple of submissions but it was never close and I just I just there's no possible conceivable way in my mind that that was a 10 I didn't even consider that that was a possibility because it just, in my opinion, isn't a possibility for that round. And, you know, um, the first round, uh, probably go through it, but the first round, you know, there, it was a close round, but I think Shevchenko pretty clearly won it. And then the second round, Grasso dropped Shevchenko and won it, won it there. I think the third round was clear enough for Shevchenko as well. Then the fourth round, you know, it could have went either way, but I think Grasso just did enough um, but like, if you're going to argue that round, then then like you know, I'm open to arguments. But then the fifth round, just you know, a really close round, and then uh, a takedown, a back take, and fishing for submissions, but never getting close. And somehow that's a ten eight and takes the belt away from Shushenko. Uh, and it's just a. Uh, you know, Shushenko in the interview just, just said basically that the crowd and the Mexican like national day or whatever it was uh, had led to the judge not wanting to give the decision against uh, against the hometown fighter in Grasso. And, you know, I can see why she thinks that. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what you think about that 10-8. I think that's, I know you're, you're uh, the kind of, the PGMOL equivalent def- uh, uh, referee no. defender, <laughs> but like I think even even you would have to say that, that just the ten eight here is just outrageously bad. Uh, we'll, I, I'll talk about that in a second. We'll just start out the the start first. So, wh- how did you score the fourth round? Did you score that for Grasso or did you score for Shashinka? Uh, I gave I, I gave I gave it to Grasso, but so you had Grasso was, winning. Um, 
yeah, I have. I have. Well, I have. Uh, hold on. First round, Shushenko. So yeah, four two. Yeah, I have. Um, I have her winning. Yeah, I have yeah. Brasov winning. So like, you're not that mad about it. You, so, like, well, I'm. I'm not that mad about the draw. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Shushenko didn't take away the belt, but. The fact that like a judge in a world title fight can be disincompetent, I think, is is a problem. Um so here's how I saw it, right? So I'm looking at MMA decisions here. The first the first four rounds, so the first three rounds are exactly as you said it. All three judges had one and three for Shevchenko, all three judges had two for Grasso. The fourth two judges had it for Shevchenko, one had it for Grasso. Um so in the first Four rounds, they were all the same apart from one round. Now, I would tend to agree. I had, I had the fourth round for Shevchenko, um, and so I would tend to agree with all the rounds apart from Jun- uh, Junichiro Kamija's round in the fourth. Um, in the fifth, I actually scored the fifth for Shevchenko. I thought, thought Shevchenko won the fifth round. Um, that 10 8, and now my bell is a great. Well, I thought she judge. was winning the round, but then I thought, like, okay, well, you know, she got her back taken, ate a couple of shots, and you know, I could see, uh, like, I could oh, actually I could see arguments it. both ways for that. Yeah, yeah. you're right. I can definitely see an argument for for Grasso. I didn't think I didn't think she did enough. Um, she got on top to choke. The ch- like that choke wasn't in. You know, we, we remember the first fight, and we're like, oh my god, is the same thing going to happen again? But it, it just didn't. You know, Shevchenko defended really well. She got out almost immediately. Like there was a chance there. Absolutely, it scores some, and that's why I think you know, given grass on that round, absolutely no problem. She did land a, go- a good few shots of ground and pound. But before that. She was getting absolutely boxed up. Like Shevchenko drew blood. She drew more blood. <laughs> there was blood running from her face. She must have landed about, I don't know, 20 unanswered jabs that were like hurting her and drawing blood from her. Like I thought she's miles ahead here and it's going to take a good bit to come back. Now, there's an I don't, I don't know argument. if she was landing really hard. I think she landed a few really nice ones. I think a few of them were touching her. But yeah, I think she was, she was definitely ahead going into the kind of when it hit the mat uh, at the end of the fifth. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 100%. I, I think she was. So I, I actually had it 49 46, 49, 46 Shevchenko. Um, but I can see the fourth and I can see the fifth going for Grasso. So I could see a 48, 47 Grasso. I could see 48, 47 Shevchenko, no problem. So there is that. That The 10 8, though, you know, and as I said, my, like Mike Bell, I've mentioned him a good few times in the podcast over the last few months. I actually think he's one of the best judges in the world. But this was like. A real errant score that, like, we, we we always talk about right understanding, not agreement. So we disagree in round four, Graham, and we disagree in round five. But I I understand how you'd score round four and round five for Graham. Yeah, exactly, I scored for exactly. I cannot understand around being ten eight in round five. You know, I I just cannot. I can't understand them. And how do we? You know, what do we do in this situation? We go to the treaties, dominance, duration, damage. Did she have the dominance in that round? You no. Know, no, I don't think so. Did she have the duration? Absolutely not. Shevchenko dominated no. most of the round. And did she have the damage? Um, in my no. opinion, no either. Like, she she didn't. She Like, the choke was almost in, defended very well. She landed probably three or four good shots and now she probably threw maybe 15 20 you know didn't land all of them and the, the round there was a couple of pretty nice ones grain of pound shots in there but just yeah you know as you said the three t's like i don't even think one of them was satisfied like uh, i'd be interested to see how michael bell is gonna 
explain that like you know when they when the commission go back and look at them and say what what did you see here that you thought this was a 10-8 like because i don't know how like maybe he'll just say i, I fucked up but if he tries to justify it i'd be very interested to see what his perspective of why he thought that was a 10-8 is yeah it was a it was a very odd one a really really odd one like it was so odd that i was like is hold on what's going on here is this a you know did they did they read the card wrong or something <laughs> i don't know it was it was a really truly bizarre one now like as i said i scored a shift for shivshinko i i it was definitely i think you would probably agree it was definitely way closer to 10 night shivshinko than a, than a 10 grasso like oh way way closer yeah. like i was at the end i was like you know that round could go either way and this fight could go either way because of that and um, because of another close round earlier as well like in the in the fourth round so like i wasn't i wasn't shocked that i wouldn't i would have been shocked if or wouldn't have been surprised if either girl like got their got her hand raised but yeah that, the second the 10 was or the 47 47 was red i was just like I was just trying to flashback. I was like, did I just like, what, what fight was I watching? <laughs> and then I just like, yeah. you know, I was very interested to see because I, I actually, if you had asked me which round was score 10-8, I, I would have had, I would have been just completely guessing. Like, uh, I was like, oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that wasn't great. Like, uh, it was it, it, it's really like, bad. It was it, yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was really. Bad. It, it reminds me a little bit of you know the Paddy Pimblet one, where it's like it's not a robbery, but like there's just one really bad, badly scored card in there, um, because like and it's weird to say it's not a robbery because like neither person won, so it's like you know it was they were both robbed in a way, but no, you know not really. But, but nobody was, nobody got their win bonus because of that as well. Now, yeah, well, yeah, sometimes in those fights there probably isn't a win bonus anyway, so it might be all right in that. But yeah, it was yeah, that's that, not not the fight itself though. Let's talk about the fight itself, and you know, I thought it was a very odd fight, a good fight, but an odd fight. Like I. We, there was a lot of talk in the last week about, you know, insanely about Adesanya being like past his prime and all, just like absolute guff. And like we see fighters all the time who are like, you know, they've been reigning for a long, long time and then they get to a stage, you know, and I wasn't sure about Shevchenko coming into this. But after like three rounds, even though she was 2-1 up, I was like, Jesus Christ, Shevchenko is not the same fighter she was. And it was actually in the fifth round Funny enough, when she got 10 8 in by one judge, uh, I actually thought, oh, hold on. Shevchenko's actually back to herself here, right? And then, obviously, what happened happened. And we'll go through the fight in a second. But it was a very odd fight. I think Grasso was way more confident in this fight, but fought way worse because of it. And Shevchenko was just, like, so much slower at the start of the fight but because Grasso wasn't doing what she did well in the first fight Shevchenko was still winning you know as I said won, won uh, two of the three rounds and would have won all three only for getting knocked down with you know one shot in, in, in the second um, oh, I, I didn't think it was I, I just thought Shevchenko looked so off what did you think of it uh, What you, that made the start of the fight even the first good three rounds like both of their performances were, were, were to me just not the optimum. What did you think? Yeah, I thought it was tentative, like from Shushenko, from what we usually see. I think she maybe over-respected, but yeah, saying that as well, though, she did get dropped uh, in the second round, so maybe, maybe she was right to respect the power. But I, uh, um, I think she was trying to figure her out, but it went on for too, for too long, and you know, it, yeah, she never really got out of second gear uh, in the in the whole fight. Maybe that was kind of the strategy to try and just. Uh, 
land, you know, a couple of bigger shots each round and um, have enough rounds to, to win a decision. And she thought she'd done that. But yeah, I think the lack of aggression that, that were, you know, compared to what we're used to in the past from Valentina, there was definitely a lack of aggression there. And maybe because there's a lot of pressure on this fight, you've already lost to this girl. You, you know, you're trying to get your belt back, prove you're the best. It's a different kind of situation than she's used to in recent fights. And maybe that played into it. And, Obviously, losing to somebody uh, recently maybe played into it mentally as well. But yeah, I think she kind of um, uh, never properly got going in, in in the fight. Yeah, I think if what happened at the start of the fifth round didn't happen, I would be here saying I think Valentina Shevchenko is 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 past her prime. Like you could see it with Nunes in, yeah, in the some, last sometimes that's part of a game plan. It's hard to know as well yeah. what the game plan is. You know, I do think though because like. You can't just do it for three minutes of a fight like she did in the fifth round, uh, you know. If you're if if it's gone, like it's she still has it there. It, it was a I'm I'm pretty sure now it's a mental thing. It was you know you were fighting the first fight again in there. You were fighting someone that had already choked you. Even you see it by the fifth round where she kind of gave up her back after going for the the headlock type of thing. You could that was very 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 poor uh, it was sequence. Terrible, yeah, really poor. Terrible. You could see it was mentally very taxing on her. Like the whole fight was mentally very taxing on her. I thought now she was still winning. I thought she still won, but it was it wasn't a vintage promise. It was one one of those ones, right? If she'd won a forty nine forty six or 48, 47, whatever it was, and they fought again, I think she'd absolutely destroy Grasso because I don't think, like, the mental block would be there anymore. She could go out and fight her normal fight, and I think she win. Now, if they fight again, I don't know what will happen, but we'll talk about that maybe in a minute. But just to, to run through maybe what happened in the fight if people didn't see it. So the first round was, look, relatively close. Shashinko was landing, to me, clearly the better shots. Uh, she got a takedown with a body lock after Grasso had stopped the first. I think it was a... You know, close round, but Valentina won that round. Uh, there was a, a good knockdown for Grasso. Actually, on Indiscrim, did you think that knockdown was that heavy? Like, it wasn't that she was off balance, but she kind of, she rocked her backwards, and Shevchenko, I think, kind of, she was like, what am I going to do here? And she jumped, like, she she did the the, the, the fucking gymnastics and tried to get, yeah. Yeah, she, I think she did that on purpose, kind of, made it look yeah. worse. I think in real time it looked worse than the replay, but I think it landed in a nice spot and she didn't see that she didn't expect the shot to land. So I think they say that, like, you know, the one that you aren't expecting to land kind of affects you more. And maybe, uh, you know, she was a little bit, her, her body was in the wrong position and things. But yeah, I think, I think, you know, doing that little kind of backflip or back roll thing just like I don't know if, if you're going to try and make it look like it didn't land you're going to get up and be like oh I slipped or something you make it look worse when you do that I think and yeah. in a close fight a close round like that you know it's hard for a judge to, to look past that especially you know if you just slipped fair enough but if you actually get hit and then slip even though I actually think she she got hit but yeah I think it was a little bit of um, the circumstances rather than the the impact of the strike directly putting her down. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, it was it's probably seventy percent strike, thirty percent Valentina kind of jumping after the strike. But definitely, look, uh, Grassa deserves credit for that, and I think she deserves her own because of it too. Valentina did get on top after a double leg. She spent two minutes on top, didn't do a whole load, but like 
I do think there is an argument there that Shushinka won that round, uh, but like not not a great one. I do think grass like and let's say Shushinka did to do, win like that. you know when the visual of you actually hitting the deck like that, yeah, uh, you have to do a, a good bit more. I think, yeah, to, I, to I would, agree. yeah, I would agree, and that's why I scored it for for uh, Alexa. But if I ha- let's say that hadn't happened in the knockdown, I it would be I would have had a fifty forty five for Shushinka for that one punch didn't happen, which is a bit mad. But anyway, the third round, third round was the most even round I think. Um, on the feet anyway but then there was a takedown into the mount, mounted guillotine uh, I thought the fight was over at this stage like if you're talking about 10-8 as well you know this was a way closer submission to finishing the fight than the Grasso one was like I don't think anyone could uh, even yeah I, I think it was closer but I t- thought she I, I, when I was watching it I thought she was okay the whole time did you? Oh, I thought it was yeah. over I thought it was no no I re- uh, do you know Shevchenko's jiu-jitsu is actually she reminds me a little bit of Justin Gaethje like I think if someone with really good jiu-jitsu was against her I think she'd have a massive problem we, we saw it in the first fight we saw it kind of in this fight as well we saw it in this third round even after like the fifth round especially yeah, yeah after if you, she, you do that against a high level like you know <laughs> MMA jiu-jitsu black belt then yeah, you're in. You're in big trouble. You are, yeah. Um, I thought, as I said, Shashinko didn't look great after the guillotine as well. She kind of fell off, um, and Agrasso as well. Jesus Christ! There was one said she was almost out, but she kept the two on one in Shashinko's wrist and pulled herself back in. I was like, God Almighty, this is white belt level jujitsu here. It was pretty awful there in in the middle of a good fight. Like Shashinko went for an arm bar late, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't there. And uh, Shashinko, without a shadow of a doubt, won that round as well. So uh, the fourth round was a close round, semi. Um, those knees that kind of looked illegal yeah. but weren't illegal, you know. And, and Dominic Cruz did a good job of calling that. To be yeah, fair, yeah, I was actually going to say the commentary actually did a fantastic job of of explaining that in real time. And you know, I thought that you know I didn't actually see a, a proper replay of those knees, but you could see by Shevchenko's reaction that they they weren't good. That she didn't like them at all. I know it was part of it that she thought she was being fouled, but even the kind of the position of her head was. Afterwards, you could see that you no, know, they defected her. So that was probably, you know, in my opinion, why Grasso squeaked that round. Yeah, and I, I had her ahead at that point, but there was one right hand that Valentina landed, and I was like, oh, that's that's a nice shot. And, you know, she she got a bit of time on top of us, and she landed a few shots. Wasn't there a nice up kick as well, and some nice oblique kicks when she was on her back to the? To the standing leg of Shushenko was that that round the fourth uh, round? God, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. I remember uh, she was kind of oblique kicking her while lying on her back, and Shushenko was kind of muay thai kicking her in the ass. And yeah, it was. I think the, close, it was the oblique kicks. You know, maybe it's because I've had any injuries, but whenever I see that, I'm like, oh, it's nasty. Yeah, <laughs> not great. Yeah, then look, the fourth and the fifth were very close. So, like, I, I have no problem with a a grass or thir- uh, uh, three two card there. No problem at all. The fifth. Uh, do you know actually in the fourth I thought it was absolutely hilarious and I'm just going to say what happened here I'm not going to give my opinion on this but for the first three rounds Daniel Cormier was continuously talking about Alexa Grasso's jab would look so good and it was winning her the fight and then in the which okay I'm not giving my opinion in the fourth round he start. He just turned over and started talking about how Shevchenko's jab was looking good. And in the fifth round, he's like, Shevchenko's jab had been winning yeah. her the fight for the whole fight. I think. Like, I think he actually admitted it a few times in recent weeks that he basically just goes on Twitter and or X and uh, 
uh, gets the temperature of people he he follows or whatever, or looks at the the tweets that come up on screen and forms his opinion of how the fight's going that way. Uh, yeah, I I actually don't want to even give my opinion on him. He's just so utterly terrible. Like, it, just, uh, how do, how is this? How is this guy commenting on a high level fight like this? It's it's ridiculous. Anyway, the fifth round, <clears throat> an absolute jab fest um, from Shevchenko. As I said, burst her eye open, was bleeding profusely from it was just jab after jab after jab, um, <clears throat> and then she went for a headlock. Ninety seconds left, as we mentioned, gave up her back, and I was like, "Oh shit, it's happening again!" Here we go. And I was like, "Is Grasso going to get it?" As well. I was like, "Oh shit, history is repeating itself." But no good. Um, landed a few shots, and the fight ended. So yeah, I, I, I gave it to Shashinko. Overall, um, it was it was a good fight, but like a nervy fight. Uh, Almost to the both of them not fighting to their optimum probably made it a little bit of a, a better fight. Um, but I, I, I don't know why you do next, Graham. Do you do you do the trilogy? It'd be tough on on Grasso. She's gone in there, and the judges uh, didn't make her the loser last night, and she submitted her in the first fight. It'd be tough on her to have to fight Shevchenko for a third time. What do you think? Uh, what do you think they do? Oh, like I think they have to make the or they should make the rematch again because that ten eight that took the belt away from Shevchenko is just outrageous. Like it's it's a it's a clear error in 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 my opinion. Um, that has decided in the end where the where the belt went. So yeah, yeah I think I think you need to do it again. Yeah, I haven't seen. I don't know. Did you see Dana White? Did he come out and give any press conference or anything? I assume. Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll have to have a look. But yeah, I would tend to agree. I think you make uh, you make the third one, and we see it again. And I, I'm very interested to see how Shashinko fights that fight because she was so in her. And uh, the re- okay, here's the reason why I thought she was so in her head. She was very slow about doing anything with her striking nearly apart from the jab which we saw in the first fight I went back and I did a rewatch this week something I think the commentators probably could have done uh, all of them in fact uh, and they were like oh you know Shevchenko going for takedowns they were like did you, did you not watch did you not watch the first fight but Grasso wasn't um, attacking her with combinations almost at all in this fight and that's where she had all her success in the first fight, but that's where she kept getting taken down. So it was almost like Shevchenko was like, oh shit, she's not doing what I expect her to do. What am I going to do type of thing? And then she just started to jab her. And when, like every time Grasso came in, again, it was a takedown. Again, it was a body lock. And, you know, Shevchenko failed at the first takedown because she attacked with the takedown. But every other time she she basically took her down. It was Like Shevchenko can take her down at will, you know, when Grasso moves in. So Grasso was kind of stuck And you, you there. could actually see that Grasso was wary of, of getting taken down as as the fight went on, her her volume kind of her, her arsenal to, to choose from kind of went down, and she became kind of less dangerous, even without the actual takedowns themselves, just the threat of them or the the wariness of of you know how easily Shushenko seemed to be able yeah. to get the takedowns as you were talking. Like Grasso, in the second round she had the knockdown, in the fourth round she had the knees, and in the fifth round she had the last ninety seconds, and Shushenko won the rest of the fight. Like, it, it, Grasso. Did but you, not, you you could win five seconds of each round and, yeah, and that, win 50-45 So yeah, like, yeah, that and that yeah, that that's kind of what happened in three rounds. Um, it, yeah. So like, it, it's mad to think that Shevchenko has been a better fighter than Grasso for 
you know, they fought, what, nine rounds now for, like, almost all of the nine rounds and it hasn't beaten her. It's absolutely crazy the way things happen in MMA sometimes. But look, these things do happen uh, in MMA. But I, I think, uh, I agree with you, I think the rematch will be made. Um, right, let's talk about the, the co-main event. You didn't, well, the decision here... It, again, Michael Bell had it for um, yeah. Jack Delamandla. This one is a debatable one, like, you know, compared to that 10-8, but I still thought, um, you know, Kevin Holland strikes didn't have much on him. It was more like not thrown that hard compared to what Jack Delamandla, Jack Delamandla, <laughs> sorry, Jack Delamandla yeah. was, was throwing. And uh, I thought, like, Kevin Holland was missing a, a hell of a lot. Like, I think the air took a took a hell of a beating. And, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know what was going on there with, with, with that um, Michael Bell uh, first two rounds. But it, it's, you know, it's maybe there was a shot in there that I, that I missed that Michael Bell saw that w- would have swung around and it's possible, but yeah, it's not, it's not egregious like the, <laughs> like the last fight or the main event fight. Yeah. I, um, I had a 30, 27 Della Madalena. I could see Holland winning the second round, but you know, I didn't think so. I, I thought Della Madalena, also the commentary on this was in the first round was ridiculous. It was like Kevin Holland was just fighting himself. I was like, oh, everything, everything was Kevin Holland. And as there was one stage as well in the third round, I think. No, in the second round, Kevin Holland or uh, Della Madalena landed a head kick, a flush head kick, hit him hard with it. And they were like, oh, good takedown attempt there for Holland. Yeah. <laughs> just where I was like, what is happening here? Yeah, and sometimes that, that happens. And I'm sure, look, if there was an Irish lad fighting or something, we'd be similar in terms of like we're watching the Irish lad more and it's not even necessarily it depends where your eyes are on sometimes yeah, as well that's true you know? yeah. it's, it's not even necessarily a bias towards someone in terms of you want them to win or anything it's a bias towards maybe who you're watching harder I, like I do it I'm sure you do it with, with Liverpool I do it with Man United you know it's you're watching them more in the game and it's it felt like they're just watching Holland here and th- meanwhile Della Madalena was absolutely boxing him up I, I thought Della Madalena put on a show here thought he looked brilliant his combinations are lovely he was landing by far the better power shots uh, like Holland I actually think Holland did way better than I thought he'd do in this fight but it's it's a there's a major problem I didn't I talked about it in the preview I did for the betting show this week like when you are Holland and what you have is a massive physical advantage over most people when you meet someone like Della Maddalena who's just as athletically gifted as you are that doesn't work anymore and the person with the better technique is always going to win that fight and that absolutely showed I well, unless perfect. you can use your extra length a lot better than Kevin Holland did you know he, I, I thought he, I thought Jack uh, had a like a brilliant defensive kind of movement <laughs> display yeah. but as you said the commentary just uh, I don't know just gave him no credit for anything uh, the whole time and I suppose that sways the the public perception, but Mike Bell's uh, Michael Bell, the judges, is, is sitting gauge. I'm not hearing any of that, so I don't know. Like maybe like the second round, okay, you can give that to Holland. Um, uh, even though maybe thinking back on it, maybe it, I wouldn't agree. But the first round is a bit of a stretch, and you know, uh, I think the third round like, he, he kind of got away with it in this fight because the right guy won or whatever. But you know, this is this is very. Uh, you know, from Michael Bell, as you said in in the past, uh, like I don't follow the judges as closely as you. Maybe he's been a, a great judge. Maybe this was just a bad day at the office. But like you know, this this has to stop, or or Michael Bell, you know, 
can't really be trusted in these big positions. In, uh, my no, opinion. in fairness, no, no, he is a very, very ten eight in the fifth round. That was awful. Yeah, that, that was outrageous. There's, there's you no. Know, if you, if something yeah. like this happens again, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be outrage. Yeah, that was that was really really bad. But yeah, no, no. Normally he's really good. Like I mentioned him a, a good few times over the last while. Like he has had the scores that even the other two judges in some fights haven't had. You know, he's a very very good judge. Like this one is this Della Madalena Holland one was. You know, it was a relatively close fight. I, uh, you know, the the ten eight was definitely an egregious one. Like if this had happened and the ten eight hadn't happened, people probably wouldn't even be talking about this. To be honest, like it's the ten eight one that's the real bad one. So it's, you know, it's I. No, it's easy sometimes to piggyback off of other things. Like, you remember that time we were, we were going to talk about Chris Tyone in a minute, but remember, like, the, the Dean Barry fucking Mike Jackson fight, where, like, just because something had happened the week before, he dis, uh, disqualified Dean Barry. Like, if that had happened last night or happened any night, he would never, ever, ever be disqualified. It was just because kind of something happened and it piggybacked off it. You know, we don't want... I don't think we should fall... Foul of doing that here, like like this wasn't the great. Can I understand the ten? This, this is a world title, like no, no, that one. Oh, oh no, absolutely. No, hold on, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Absolutely, that one. Yes, that was bad. I'm I'm talking about the the Holland Della Madalena. Like, can I understand the ten nine Holland in the first, the ten nine Holland in the second? I can understand it. I do. I do not agree with it. I do. I do not think it's great. Can I understand the ten eight in the fifth round? No, absolutely not. So like. You know, there's one egregious thing there, not two. So I don't think there's any point in piggybacking off, you know, both of them together. But you kind of like, you know, I know what you're saying and it makes sense. But like for Michael Bell, people are going to scrutinize your other cards, especially the fight before the, yeah. the fight. Like, you know what That's I mean? True. So we don't like, want to be unfair about yourself, it You know, if people are, you know, justifiably, in my opinion, mad at this, then like, I don't know, like uh, maybe Michael Bell, you know, look back and he knows he made an error or, or whatever, but like, yeah, I think, I think, um, I think he's going to be under a serious scrutiny going forward, and that's a lot of pressure, extra pressure that's already already on, you know. And uh, these judges are, you know, uh, as we always talk about, they're underappreciated, underpaid. They they fly around the world like they're in a circus to do this, and we need these high level guys because there is no other, you know, well, to my knowledge anyway, there is no other kind of generation of judges waiting to break through that are top class, or you know what I mean? There's, we're kind of we're lucky to have the guys we do have, but when when a world title fight is decided, you, you can't really, uh, in my opinion, you kind of, you know, people are going to go back and scrutinize and, you know, they're going to look at rounds closely. And even though these are close rounds, like we expect high level judges to get close rounds right, you know? Yeah. I, I yeah, the, I definitely, if there's another round, like the fifth round there, I don't think it's going to look good at all. But like, you look back at, at Michael this year, He's on. That's only his third split decision all year, and he's been in, you know, UFC on ESPN uh, 75, 283, 77, 285, 79, Bellator 291, two, 3 PFLs, Bellator, two more B- Bellators, three, four more UFCs, another UFC pay-per-view card, another, like he's had many, many, many decisions this year, and I tell you, he is a good judge of that one. There's no defending, and I'm definitely not defending him, I, I don't think that... Is a good score. It's a bad score. In fact, the ten eight. But yeah, this one. I like to be honest. Hopefully, he comes out or he says privately. But they're not allowed. I got I got this wrong. You yeah. know, if he says it privately, like hopefully he doesn't. You know, I'd be more worried if he thought he was right. But the ten eight, even now. Like, yeah. You know. Look, I'm I'm sure he'll go back and watch it. There's there's no way he could go back and watch that and you know think that's a ten eight. There's just no way, and I think he will do that. And what do you think about Shevchenko's claim that 
what she thinks that the the crowd, the kind of moment, the day, all that stuff made him made the judge. She didn't even know what had happened, basically in terms of the scores, but um, uh, specifically, but that they, he didn't want to give it against the the home. We like we know we see the, the, the thing football, about that is, like right. soccer. We see hometown decisions are are a known thing. Like you know, I know it doesn't happen as often in MMA. Yeah. Or as egregiously as we see with the PGMOL, who are just an incompetent forest of an organization. See, there's but, there's a major issue with that, right? Because Michael Bell gave Shushinko three rounds. Sal Diamato gave Shushinko three rounds. Camillo gave her two rounds. Okay, fair enough. It's it's not like there was a major bias against her. Like two of the three judges gave her the three rounds. If it wasn't for the ten eight, she would have won the fight. You know, I want it like. Yeah. But Michael I mean? Bell, when he's handing in his fifth round scorecard, do you think he there might be something in his mind where he's like, well, what, what about maybe? the four rounds one? <laughs> Why didn't he do it then? When because that was a close that was a closer round in the fifth round, yeah. in my opinion. Well, maybe he started doubting himself after the fourth round about his fifth round, or about maybe in the fifth during the fifth round he was doubting his decision to give like this is all the speculation but I'm trying to work out how the hell a 10 was Something given happened. here I don't know yeah like uh, normally I wouldn't I wouldn't take part in that sort of speculation at all, but something diff- definitely did happen because that score is, that 10-8 is just completely egregious. Like, so yeah, something something happened there for that to happen and I don't know what, like it was so egregious I was literally thinking, did someone think a 9 was written as an 8 or something? It was that, it was that bad, like so. Yeah, I think Bruce Buffer in the background was kind of trying to make yeah, sure. Sean sure about that eight there, buddies. <laughs> Did you see Sean Shelby's face? Uh, it was very funny. Bruce Buffer told Sean Shelby it was a draw, and he was like, "What? <laughs> you can see him in the background." Before and I was like, "Oh my god, yeah." But anyway, right. Uh, let's go down through some of the rest of the card. Um, Raul Rosas got a nice left hook knockdown and a finish from the mounts. El Huber got a nice anaconda. Other stuff happened. Things people got knocked out, and then there was the uh, Edgar Chavez against Daniel Lacerda fight uh, which Chris Tyone stopped the fight uh, because he thought Lacerda was choked out the second he, he was trying. It. He was trying to stop the fight before for about 20 seconds before that for no reason he was like standing over them and it was getting way too close even though it wasn't even a proper submission and uh, you know even like you know the commentary team immediately were like oh like don't stop! Basically, don't stop this. This is this is he's grand here. Well, what, this, what ref's know, think, this ref's known for this. I think Dominic Cruz said yeah. he's like. What do you think of Lasorda's like, fight hand dropping though? Clearly, like it, de- it definitely looked like he was out. I don't. I don't think it did look like. Oh, he was I, out. but his hand dropped. Did you not see that? No. Yeah, he dropped. He dropped his hand. But like, yeah, he dropped his hand. I don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, like. I think they wanted to, this is one he's of these ones. He's standing on his legs, like you know, he's standing there. Because <laughs> like, the guy is holding him up. With, <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Oh, hundred percent. Like this, this one. I, I thought this was really weird. That like Dominic Cruz is on a tirade all the time. He's on a tirade before the referee even stopped it. Like, but like, I this what this was. If we didn't have the commentary, it was someone who looked like he was choked out. He clearly wasn't, and in the. Again, like last week, the the VAR looked at it and correctly turned it around. In my opinion, like there's no doubt well, about it from the angle. Around, Tyone then, was uh, nobody leaves with a win bonus. So well, both from the angle, so come here, come here to me. From the angle Tyone was at, did it not look like he was choked out? Like he was checking his arm, it's grand, it's grand. Next thing, his arm completely falls down unnaturally. Like, what's he supposed to think in that? He can't see his face. All he's looking at is the arm. For like, is he out? And it, his arm falls down, goes dead. Like, if you're to take away the Daniel Cormier and the Dominic Cruz... Well, like roaring, one one like, second before his arm went to his side, he had been giving the thumbs up and saying, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah, you can get choked out ref. that quickly, can't you? Yeah. 
uh, I don't know. Like if you're about to be choked unconscious, I don't know if you're speaking so clearly. And but if, like, hold on, you know, no, we're not looking. You're not looking at this fairly. Like, did it look like he got choked out when the arm fell? Oh, I, I didn't think so. Like, I didn't think so. You didn't think so? I, I think, think that's he, crazy. You know. Yeah, I don't think so. The arm, like, I think his legs would have shown some kind down. of his leg would have legs would have shown some kind of sign of being unconscious. Like, I think. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I like. I think the arm fell down so badly. I think he could have been out for a second. If I'm being honest, and like, I'm no fan of Chris Dione. I don't think he's a great ref, and I don't stand up for refs as much as I do for judges, as people know probably listening to this. But yeah. I think that's a really understandable. Like if, you're, if you're if you're on your knees on the ground and like the ref lifts your arm and it flops to the ground, I think like you know that would say that you're out. But the fact that you're standing on both legs and you're he's been held you know, up with your man choking. I don't him. think he was being held up. I don't he was. Think he was being held up in the air. I think he, you know, his legs would have shown some side, some sign of unconsciousness. If you know when Machida went out against John Jones, even though he was holding up, you could see clearly that his body was gone, like before he dropped. Mm. Yeah, some like some of them, their their arse and their body does kind of fall down, alright. But sometimes it just is a hand goes out and then they drop him and they drop like Machida, like and like he wasn't out. I'm not. I'm not arguing that he was out, right? I'm not arguing that it wasn't a mistake. But I'm arguing like my argument is, or if you look at it, I think you're in a very tough position there for Chris Tyone when that arm falls down. Like if you were to leave it go, I, that arm falls I don't down. think it's like it's like a knee bar where like his knee is going to explode. Like he's in a he's in like a unorthodox choke, and it's hard to know how much pressure there actually is on, on this. And I think with a choke like that, you just give it, you just let it play out. You don't have to he jump let in it so play quickly. Out, he, he didn't though. He he ah, got on top of it way too quick, and then he stopped it too quick. In my opinion, you know, if somebody. Uh, gets choked out it looks really bad but really it's not that bad like you know it's not like you know uh, taking extra big punches or you know being in an arm bar and you uh, and you've tapped and the ref misses and then your arm breaks or, you know you're not in immediate danger so I don't think the ref needs to be so kind of quick about it he, he, he can let the one play out yeah I, I, I would agree with that but in this situation it the arm fell <laughs> like yeah that's what we look out for all the time like does your body go limp like the arm went limp why did the arm go like uh, that's the question for me like they're saying oh he's trying to relax and all like you don't let your arm like oh flop down go limp like that when you're just trying to relax you like lay it down or you like you know move it around to a side you're I, I don't know it de- like that looked unnatural there's no doubt about that like it it 100% looked unnatural the way that arm flopped down like so I don't know I've, like, I, I, just because Cruz and so said it I think yeah. people I think you can, I think you can avoid all of this by just letting it play out and you can you know people he did don't let it guess. play out though he let it play no, out the arm flopped and he stopped it no yeah. even he said himself this is that a he classic made a case this is a classic like, I made a mistake case. I made a mistake yeah he made a mistake because your man was awake Like, but this is a classic case he said case I, thought you, I thought you were out but you weren't something. yeah yeah, he would, and that's fair. Like, but it did look that way from his angle. There's no doubt about that. Like, this is a classic case of the commentary, like making people think one way. You know, I, I really think it is. I, and like, it's a weird one because it is. Well, the I wrong immediately ball. thought the same as the commentary. To be honest, that like, well, what about the arm? Is, Are you just ignoring the arm falling down? Like, what? What's your opinion on that? Like, yeah, go back I, like, and watch it again. I, I think he could have just kind of dropped it to a side, or he could have been like, you know, semi semi uh getting choked and like you know uh, if you've ever been choked it's kind of like uh it's hard to explain but it's kind of like shutters come or like elevator doors and you kind of like you kind of nearly drift into a sleep a couple of times before you go to sleep yeah you know you're kind of like you're kind of verging on it but you're not out i think that's what happened yeah 
Well, and I don't know if the choke would have been able to put him out if it had gone on because he was squeezing over the arm and. You know, if he let it play out another three or four seconds, we would have known for sure. Like, and maybe the likelihood is that he would have uh, gone unconscious because he was on the verge of it. But we don't know now because the ref got in there too quickly and didn't let it play out. And do you know, do you know what's absolute bullshit as well? Dominic Cruz is like saying, "Oh, um, that that choke isn't in." You know, that choke isn't in. You can't call it when it's not in. How many times have we watched fights? I mean, like, oh, that choke isn't in, and next thing someone's tapping, or next thing someone goes out. Like, how many? Like the referee cannot call a fight based on whether he thinks a choke is in or not we're talking about facts here like the fact is the arm fell down like the fact is someone has tapped in the past the fact is someone has gone spark out in the past the chokes that have not been in you have to look at the facts you can't look at your opinion on what a choke is and what a choke isn't like yeah, I agree with that. I think the, the fact, the, it plays into a little bit in my opinion that he was too quick with it, that the fact that he was, the ref was talking to uh, Lacerda right before and Lacerda was like talking back, like you could actually hear him like talking to the ref like and it would be very strange for him just to be talking and then one second later to be completely unconscious like in my opinion. But maybe, maybe like, you know, if I did more jiu-jitsu and I was <laughs> stuck in that position more, I might have a different opinion. As, as a jiu-jitsu expert, I know <laughs> But now look, I I think this is another case of the the VAR doing it right. Like, I I, I don't know. Like, uh, but like for 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 Edgar, uh, how do you pronounce his name? Sherez. Yeah, I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he for him he you know maybe likely or like had a, had a, at least had a very good chance of winning that fight in that moment or afterwards. Now it was take was the chance to win that fight and progress his you know record and his his bank balance is is stunted because of this so i don't yeah, know. Yeah. i actually would have been all right. i would have been all right if they just let him have the win to be honest like your man's like there's definitely an argument there that your man went out like i i definitely think there is an argument that he went out for a second like if he, if he walked back up maybe or he was awake the whole time one of those two options but i don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that your man was actually out there at all i really don't he's his arm definitely flopped down like something something weird definitely happened there so, yeah, yeah, something something happened, but the fact that you know, for for uh, Chavez or Chavez, he, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong. He's done everything perfect, and then through no fault of his own, you know, he doesn't have a chance to to win. So, yeah, that is you know, yeah. it is it is. It almost hard. looks like, like know, we talked about the human side of it. You were doing a podcast with Harry about the human side of it, and like some of these guys, I'm not sure what his situation is. But some of these guys are living on nothing. They're living in gyms. They're they're you know cleaning gym floors and cleaning gyms to pay gym fees. Like even when they're in the UFC, sometimes you know they're working as delivery drivers. And you know we, uh, maybe he's got a rich family. Or I have no idea. But like for some of these guys, that extra little bit of money is is everything. You know. Yeah, that is. But I'm not necessarily sure the referee actually did make a mistake. To be honest, so. I don't well, in the end, if he apologized and said he did the wrong thing, and you know, decision was overturned, then in the end, he made a mistake, or he either made a mistake at the start, or he made a mistake at the end, or some yeah. some referee, somebody made a mistake because, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is not this is not normal. Like this is, it was definitely not on like cocked up. Like yeah, but it's sometimes you look at them and you're like, what is the right decision to make? You're not necessarily sure. And like this is one. I, I just really let it play out properly. Like, if if he's gone out, give it that extra couple of seconds, and he will flop to the ground. You know, the opponent will let go of him and start start celebrating if he is unconscious. Like just let it happen. Yeah, well, that's fair. Well, 
See, I think that did happen, mate, possibly, or he thinks that happened. Like, he thought he was choked out when he So, like, if John out. Jones was choking Machida and, like, uh, like you know... He but, like, you're, hold on, you're picking out the most egregious example of all time there. Like, how many fights have we seen are like, oh, is he choked out? I'm not sure. And next thing, the guy lets him go... And then he flops. Like, he doesn't actually move until... Like, that's way more common than a John Jones Machida where he looks like he's about to fucking fall through the center of the universe, like. Yeah, but, yeah, but Machida's not, not you know... The fact that he that's, that's let go a few extra seconds to make sure isn't, you know, giving CTE or anything or really bad no. injuries to Machida. So you can just let it play out, I think. Yeah, but I agree. But I think Tyone did think he let it play out. And then... If like, well, he, well I think he thought he wrong. To do, right? so, <laughs> in my opinion, maybe you agree, but like, in my opinion, he a few extra seconds there, and we, we wouldn't have any of these un, unknown unknowns and but questions. Like, is, and the extra, is the extra few seconds not letting the arm flop? Like, if he had stopped it before the arm flopped, I would have said absolutely yes, given a few, few seconds. seconds. So he was talking to him a few seconds before that. But like, hold on, or so normally, right? Normally, when the arm flops down, the person is out. Would you agree that normally is the case? Um. Yeah. Uh, this is. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So I think so. Normally. Is, yeah. Usually. Okay. So that is normally the um the trigger to stop the fight. Like if you see an arm flopping down, you're like, okay, stop it. He's out. You're not. Give it another few seconds. We'll see. Is he actually out? And then we'll stop it. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I know so what that's you mean, what happened here. He, there's, there's doubt around that. Like, you know, a guy could be playing possum or whatever, you know, trying to get the guy to let up on something. Or he could be, yeah. he, he could, you know, there's, a, there's things that are unanswered that shouldn't be unanswered in the fight because I, I don't know. I, a few seconds weren't given. Not in this case, I don't think. Like, his finger was up, like, as you said, he was talking, and then next thing, flop out in, while he's in the middle of a joke. It's like pfft. flop out. I think he he maybe like kind of like uh, was on the verge of it and like maybe in and out of you know or on the verge of going out. Like it's it's really hard to know you know because yeah, it is. That's why I feel sorry for Tyone after being absolutely lambasted as a useless referee for one that's really hard to know and one that really looked like he was out. Like you know. Yeah, I agree with that, but I but it, I, I I I think that you know he kind of brought it all on himself by not giving it an extra couple of seconds like that he could have just easily given know. it it's not like you know, know. Like, uh you know we, we maybe in the future on. maybe in the future there'll be some study that like you know going out is or being out for like an extra two seconds instead of four seconds instead of two seconds is like you know way worse for you but i don't think that's true right we better move on um let's talk about bellator next week Big Irish card coming up. Uh, maybe the last ever one. Who knows? Uh, there's a lot of Irish on the card. Um, two really, really top level fights in the main event and the co main event that I'm really looking forward to seeing. Overall, Graham, what are your anticipation levels for this card compared to maybe other ones? But for this one in itself, are you uh, are you massively looking forward to it? Are you like, oh, it's kind of creeping up on us? What, what's the crack? I always enjoy these and I always have a good time. I always look forward to them. But looking at the card, there's, there's just way too many fights. I'm not looking forward yeah, to having the, me and you and, and the lads working working these these fights. But that's kind of like a different perspective than, you know, most fans. Maybe a lot of fans will like your value for money and loads of Irish guys and all this stuff. But 
for me, the first <laughs> the first thought that comes to, to mind is, Jesus, there's a hell of a lot of fights. It's going to be an extremely long day. Yeah, and there's probably going to be post-limbs as well, more than likely, I would say, because there are, I think there are 21 fights. Like, and... Uh, I'm glad It's like I'm, a double fight card like. Oh it's ridiculous yeah. It's ridiculous uh, The Mega Man Sheriff Of Martin McDonough fight is, Has fallen out apparently And uh, They have replaced Martin McDonough With Peter Nijelski Which it was a ridiculous fight First of all uh, to, to make So it's a way better fight now But Still like A fight falls out Like okay good We won less fight But no but There's a, a A barrel of like Sergey Bilsini Against Kasim Aras Davy Gallen against Attila Karmza, uh, like Kira Pacheco against Mackenzie Stiller, Mark Ewan against Noah Gagnon, like there's a Luke Trainer fight, like Hamasi and Coachelli, not bad fight, but like why are all of these fights on the Irish card? Like just absolutely bizarre. It must be because they're coming to their in- the end and they have like contracts yeah. and they're just trying to finish them up or something. It has to be because like. it is unusual, you know. Maybe like 12, 13, 14 fights at a, at a stretch, but like t- fights in the twenties and you know getting replacements in. <laughs> when a fight falls it's not like oh the card's going to fall apart if we don't have this fight we need. yeah so I think it does point towards you know Bellator is either going to fold or merge and from the latest reports they seem oh, to be well. they seem to be they seem to be pointing in both directions so you know until until something happens definitively it's very hard to believe to believe anything but looking at this card um, and the fact that they haven't booked you know or they apparently haven't booked the the three arena for next year yet, which they usually, I think, would have by now. Maybe points towards uh, at least a state of extreme unknown. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah, a state of extreme unknown is definitely the case. Like, even the talking to some people in the last couple of weeks, like that people in Bellator don't have a clue. They don't know what's going on. They have no idea. And I'm sure maybe Scott Coker knows, and the guy. I mean, maybe he, maybe even Scott Coker doesn't. You never know. But yeah, there is. Uh, an extreme unknown like there was all these rumors of PFL buying them but like there's rumors now that they're not and we, we don't know what's happening you don't know but anyway we concentrate on this card from some the of these things that come out are part of like negotiations Absolutely, you know if yeah. somebody won't agree to something they say oh well we're not going to buy you or we are like you know it's sometimes pe- people are used as, as mouthpieces and I don't know anything about the situation but you always got to be wary yeah, like it's hard to sell these big organizations these as well. Like, look at Liverpool; they tried to sell it, and no one wanted to buy it. Like, it's not that easy to sell them. <laughs> like, you know, way <laughs> which is which is actually true. You can't even like. Well, no, there was reports that they were interested in in the Liverpool things off topic, but they were interested in investment um, or potential. You know, uh, if an, an, an offer came in that they couldn't refuse, and and no but offer like, came in. But anyway, we'll move, we'll move on. Uh, Johnny Eblen, Fabian Edwards, Graham. I, I think this is a very interesting fight. Like, most people probably think, well, look, Eblen's just going to wrestle him and it's that'll be that kind of thing. But I don't know. Like, Fabian has had issues with wrestlers, I suppose, especially, um, you know, his most recent loss. But even, I thought actually he won that fight, but he did get wrestled against Vanderford, who's not as good as Eblen. Uh, but if Fabian can stop a few takedowns, keep the fight on the feet, you know, work more what he's striking, but keep, while keeping the control, like it's going to be a it, it, that it, that if that happened, it'd be a very very tough fight for Eblen because Fabian is so good and so controlled uh, on the feet. But stopping that takedown is going to be interesting. Like Fabian can wrestle, 
Fabian uh, can obviously wrestle. Fabian can strike very well. Fabian or, or um, Eblen can strike as well, and maybe people don't uh, rate his striking as, as well as they should. I just, I kind of, as selfishly as someone who's going to be sitting there outside watching it, I hope it's a very, very good fight. Like it could turn into a domination for Eblen, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping it'll be a very good fight. How, how do you see it playing out? You know, with Fabian Edwards, you know, I've talked about it for years since he was an amateur on this podcast and all. And as a pro, even though he's got some, you know, extremely good wins, and I don't think he's ever, like, you know, let his game go yeah. in in a way that, you know, I'd like to see it. And in my opinion, it would make him the kind of most dangerous and best version that he could be. That's probably because, you know, of, of like, fights that he's had with guys with, like, with styles like Eblen. So... Maybe that will play into it, and he won't be as kind of uh, committal to his to his offense as as um, as I'd like Fabian to be. With Fabian, it's it's hard to know. Like I, I think maybe I'm hoping against hope at this stage that he's going to do that, and it's more likely that he's going to go out there and try to kind of point fight in a way and stay away from the takedowns. And you know, if the opportunity comes to finish, finish, but not to try and force it. So uh, I probably think it's going to be the the latter. Yeah, I I would. I would tend to agree as well. Like I do think Fabian will stop shots, and I could uh, stop um, takedowns, and I do think he will win a round or two. But I think Eblen will just be like it's very hard over five rounds not to see Eblen getting you know three or four takedowns. It really, really is, uh, and I think that'll probably be enough for him to uh, to win it. But, but if Fabian like let his game go early, like you know, yeah. Eblen's not going to be expecting that, and you know, we we know how talented Edwards is with his offense, especially like, but. Yeah, I just I, I think that would be my uneducated game plan. Um, That's advice, actually but, good thinking, though. Like because like yeah. if right if he goes out if he goes out there right and does that and doesn't win, what's going to happen? He's going to get taken down. And he'll lose a decision probably. If he goes out and fights slow and and doesn't do that, what's he going to do? He's probably going to get taken down and lose a decision anyway. So you might as well fucking just go for it. Like you know, you might as well do. You know, you are a beast of a striker. You might as well go out and show that early and. Give him all your work in the first two or three rounds. Like, Fabian Edwards has, has good cardio. Like, he can keep going for five rounds even if he throws it all out there for the first few rounds. I would agree with you. I think he should just go for it. Like, it's a world title fight. This is your big opportunity. Go and fucking take it with both hands. You know? I And, again, selfishly, we're going to be sitting there watching it. So, I, I hope that uh, I hope that. Does and it's going to be the 20th odd fight of the night. Yes. So, come on, Fabian. Come do on. his turn. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. And I, li- I like Eblen as well. So, you know, it's... Uh, Good fight, good fight. Well, no, yeah, I do as well, but just yeah. in terms of the excitement, excitement value of the yeah, fight, yeah, if yeah. Fabian was to come with that kind of game plan, it would be uh, a lot more entertaining, likely a lot more entertaining. Uh, Pico against Carvalho, again, I think is an interesting fight, and, and a similar sort of fight, I suppose. Like, uh, Carvalho is going to need to come out and throw his hands and do it to Pico what the few other lads have, who have beaten him have done, and that land big shots hard early. Um, and I think Carvalho will will do that. I think he will try to do that. He, he Carvalho is the opposite almost of Edwards. He will go out and he will throw his shots and he will bang them in, you know, always. Now, doesn't necessarily mean he'll win because Pico is a very good striker as well. He's fucking very good high kicks and very athletic, brilliant wrestler and all of that. It's going to be a tough night for Pedro. But I do believe Pedro will go out and try his best to 
do to what you need to do against Pico and that makes him dangerous but at the same time like if you're to pick you have to pick Pico here I just think like uh, now having said that obviously two fights ago he injured the shoulder and he didn't look great in his last fight but you're ha- you'll have to think he'll be back to his best here for uh, for this one I wonder as well Graham like I think Pico, if you're to go back, like most of his fights, if not all of his fights, um, have been, and I don't have him from the mirror, but I can find it some such, have been in the US. So like, so traveling and coming to Ireland and stuff, it's a little bit different. Pedro will have a yeah. big crowd behind him as well. What, what do you think of it? Yeah, I was going to say that. This is kind of like, you know, enemy territory where usually Aaron Pico would be the kind of, you know, the, the hot prospect, the kind of, you know, the guy to root for. And even even when he kind of you know lost early on in his career, he he bounced back and kind of you know there's a there's a bit of interest in him and there's a bit more kind of you know uh, fan awareness of him and the the Irish crowd will know who he is and they'll they'll want to root for Pedro and you know maybe the fact that it's twenty fights deep will affect how how loud the crowd is and but it's definitely going to be a hostile environment but just a style matchup uh, for Pedro is just not good you know uh if pico is going to come in there and try and strike with him then you know maybe maybe that's a it'll be a long night for pico but if he comes in there and kind of you know tries to do what jeremy kennedy did in in pedro's most recent fight you'd have to expect that somebody like pico will be able to you know get enough takedowns to to stop pedro and you know pedro's grappling and is is quite good and it's pretty good like very good uh, but i think his shot takedown defense is something he needs to work on and maybe maybe you know since the Jeremy Kennedy fight since that kind of was the, the the route to to losing that he's been in the gym working on that and he's and he's got some answers for that and you know Aaron Pico is definitely going to be a big uh, a, a big test of that so yeah, it's just a really difficult matchup for for uh, Pedro Carvalho in my opinion yeah and probably going to be um you know on his back a lot to me if, if Pedro Carvalho wins that it's probably one of the best wins by an Irish trained fighter ever. Like, if you take away Connor's ones, it's right up there. So a massive op- opportunity for, for Pedro Carvalho. You know, um, obviously, Queeley uh, uh, beating uh, uh, Patricky is, is you know, up there as well. And, you know, obviously, da- uh, Danny winning the, the Invecta belt. And there's been a lot, a lot. But that's right up there, in my opinion, because Pico is high, high level. Uh, Burnell and Vichel, you know, should be a good fight. I think it'd be a bit of a... A bit of a barn burner, that one. Um, as with Kicheli Hamasi, I think that's going to be a really, really good fight. But then we have Kavana, Sarah Collins, which I think is, is a damn interesting fight. You know, watching a bit of Sarah Collins. Again, like it feels like there's a lot of judokas in this weight class. And Sinead Kavana recently fought Leah McCourt, who's a very good judoka, big and strong. And she, you know, she beat her after getting injured early. I know Leah had a bit of an injury as well, but she did win that fight. So, like, I, I was saying, I was doing a preview for Sherdog yesterday, Graham McCartan, and I was like, Sinead Kavanagh's 9-5, but could, she could easily be like, what, what is it, 13-2, and two, or, you know, even 14-1 and one, one maybe, if her to be a bit generous, but like, I, 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 like, even talking to people who are not Irish or have watched those fights, everyone is like, Sinead Kavanagh's record is not 9-5. It should not be 9-5. Um, so, I think she's looked down upon a bit because of that record. She's very unlucky, I think, Sinead. She's a way better fighter than that suggests. And I think she deserves more respect than she's getting coming into this fight. Uh, like, I think she should be a favourite. I'd be interested to see... I think she deserves a better 
more well-known opponent that isn't you know given a really hard kind of style matchup even if you know Sinead you know is a favorite or should be the favorite I haven't looked at the odds or whatever you know getting somebody who's kind of unknown and up and coming when you've kind of done uh what Sinead's done for Bellator and in Bellator and uh, you know you mentioned the the torn ACL fighting and beating Liam McCourt in Dublin you know uh the way she kind of lost decisions to like people like Leslie Smith that she shouldn't have lost or things like that and you know all the kind of she's always been there and putting on exciting fights and then they you know give her a difficult matchup against somebody who nobody really knows outside of like yeah. hardcore MMA fans or even they might not know her it's just kind of I don't know if it's not disrespectful but it's just um it's uh she deserved slightly better i think you might be. especially like she beat leah and then leah gets katangan on is now sarah mcmahon next yeah that didn't know, seem i know fair. she was able with a bit of an injury or whatever but like you know it's not like she, this she, is her second she fight fought through that injury yeah. to win the fight on your show like you yeah. know what i mean so a hundred percent no i'm just looking at the odds sinead's actually favorite minus 150 which is is fair like with all this said, Sarah Collins is a very good fighter. Like, as about as good as four, and that probably plays. Yeah, into that's your what point. I mean. Like, yeah. you know, why is why is she kind of been given the chance to take all the kind of shine off? I know this is how MMA works or whatever, but like, I don't know. It seems like they treat like kind of like you hinted at that they treated like Sinead like she lost uh, in Dublin in that yeah. fight, even though she fought through a torn ACL and won the fight out of her realm. You know, I don't know what's I'd, going on. There. I'd be interested to see how many fights Sinead has left in her contract because this looks like a last fight of the contract type of matchmaking here to me, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe we'll get a chance to ask her in the media there or something. But having said that, having said all that, it's still, it's a very good fight. I'm really looking forward to the fight. Um, yeah, but as I said, Sinead has fought this sort of opponent before. Collins is young and she's up and coming and she's very, very uh, athletic and all that. It's a tough matchup, but I, I, I'm, I'm picking Sinead. I think she'll get the job done. I'm looking forward to, uh, I'm looking forward to, to seeing it. Um, elsewhere in the car, Brian Moore against Otto Rodriguez. I interviewed Brian Moore when that fight was announced. You know, Brian's gone back up to one forty-five uh, against. Look, it's a tough matchup. Rodriguez is thirteen and one. You know, never fought in Bellator. Again, you're fighting probably like um, the the best unranked guy at a weight class above. Yeah, well, that's what they do. They <laughs> get these guys and they're like, so uh, we have our Brian Moore guy who fights these guys. So uh, line it yeah. up. It's mad. Again, it's mad. And I don't know why, like Brian Moore, uh, initially he was supposed to be on the main card and now he's on the undercard and he's, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. Rin- rinse and repeat, uh, same story. You can just, can you just go back and like copy me talking about like Brian Moore in the last yeah, like, yeah. fucking 10 podcasts yeah and it's true <laughs> and look what's it going to be it's probably going to be a close hard nosed fight again and you know it's probably going to be a split decision or something like it's it's going to be one of those fights. you just know it like because like Brian's a very very good fighter and he's game as fuck like and Rodriguez is a good fighter like it's it's I just think it's going to be one of those fights. But, like, I, that could be, like, a fight at night. Honestly, I think that's going to be an absolute war. Looking forward to seeing um, looking forward to seeing Brian fight up at 145. Uh, Luke Trainer is fighting as well against the 14-1 guy. That should be fun. Uh, Kenny Mokahana against Josh O'Connor. This is a, a very interesting one. Two undefeated uh, prospects on their way up. You know, uh, Josh O'Connor, I think he was supposed to fight in Bellator, if I'm not mistaken. Or was, there was talks of him anyway. But, you know, he's... Um, you know, he's beaten 
some I, I, I would suppose you could call him journeyman on the way up uh, yeah, has he, has a, he has a good amateur record undefeated amateur record yeah. as well though you know, fighting fighter, Cage yeah. Warriors and Cage Warriors Academy and things like that beating some some decent guys so yeah obviously it's early in his career as well it's early in Kenny's career it seems like an appropriate matchup but you know we were I was kind of shitting on the matchmaking there but this one seems like appropriate matchmaking yeah it does it's good and like you know Kenny as well. But I, I was talking to uh, to Franz there last week, and you know obviously the two brothers and they're kind of you know Franz is uh, I'm, I was going to say coming up together. Franz is obviously a good few years ahead of him, but you know we've always seen in MMA down through the, the years two brothers coming up at the same time. It's always been good for him, you know, and I think that's going to be the case for uh, for Kenny as well. And this is a big fight for him here, you know. Do I, and we go through the rest of the fights, but it, with Bellator possibly probably going out of business or maybe being sold as a business, it's a massive fight because if you go in here and you lose, you know, there's like say, well, you know, we could need to cut down the roster, good luck. And that could be anyone. But if you go in here and got a big knockout or whatever, it's like, well, do you know what a performance he had last amount, he might be star, let's hold on to him. And they, that's a lot of pressure to put on people and I, I feel like whether that's right turns out to be right or wrong I feel like everyone is almost fighting under that pressure coming into this card so selfishly for us that might make for a great card but it's not a fucking I don't know is it a, a good way to be fighting or a nice way to be fighting anyway but um, we'll run through the rest of the card here uh, for the Irish guys anyway Peter Queeley uh, Graham is fighting this guy Daniele Michelli I watched a few of his fights um, 11 and 5 all 5 losses via knockout he's a very good wrestler who throws these kind of wild kicks um, I think Queely should beat him but it's like Queely's it's tough to know now with Queely like he was talking recently there, and I'm sure we'll talk to him in media there, but he had a lot of injuries and stuff for the last three f- fights in the last couple of years and he was saying he's not being himself and now he's back to it you know it'd be interesting to see how he performed what, what do you think of this one for, for Queely it's a massive fight isn't it yeah, well, I think it's, you know, it's a it's a favorable matchup, you know, compared to, you know, recent years, obviously, he's been fighting higher level guys. Uh, but I think, you know, this guy's coming in, he hasn't really fought that regularly uh, against top competition, you know, his, his, his last two wins were against a guy who was two and three and a guy who was 10, 16 and one. So for him, it's going to be a huge step up against Peter Queeley coming in on enemy territory, the Irish crowd, you know, the zombies after playing for Peter Queeley's walk in. It's going to be, it's going to be a different kettle of fish than, than Michelle's used to. So given the, the kind of, the level of Peter Queeley's uh, opponents and, and best victories compared to this guy, you'd, ha- you'd have to assume that, you know, Peter Queeley would come in, come in here and win uh, handily enough, uh, assuming that, you know, camp has went well, injuries and things like that. And uh, presuming that his head is still in it, you know, sometimes when a guy gets to like the, the kind of top or very close to the top and it's kind of, you know, the come down of, of losing a fight, maybe you, sh- you probably think you should have won or most people thought you should have won in your last one. Uh, on paper, you know, that that's a lot of, you know, he needs to win. There's a lot of pressure on, you know, uh, as well. So maybe that'll play into it. But, you know, all going well, I think this should be a Peter Quigley fight. Yeah, I, I think his pressure game and his relentlessness should be enough here. But as we said a few, you know, a few minutes ago about the Shevchenko fight, like, it's a lot of this is about confidence as well. Like, you have the ability, but do you have the confidence to use that ability? That's the question. Like, if Queely has yeah. that, I uh, like actually just before you go on, just a minor example. Rashford, you know, he talks about it himself. Like, you know, uh, mm-hmm. in the Gary Neville thing, when I'm scoring, like I, I feel like I can shoot from any angle or go in. When I'm not, I just feel like I can't. You know, it's even at the high level of of other sports, it's maybe not talked about as much in, in MMA. But confidence is a known 
kind of huge part of of you know being a being a top player and a top athlete so yeah it's absolutely huge and maybe we maybe we touch on it the odd time but maybe we should talk about it more yeah 100 percent. and like myself and harry as you mentioned earlier on we did the um you know the human side of it you, n- you never know what's going on in a person's life like you never know if someone's injured or you know someone's after having a kid or someone's after getting fucking divorced or whatever it might be or their family you know, member is sick or yeah. you know anything could be going on yeah we re- and we really don't know that and like we try to say that a good bit but like we're talking about 21 fights here. You can't say it for every single fight, you know? <laughs> like, you know, and they're, you know, if you're fucking Nicholas Sioli or something, they're like, oh, well, these lads didn't know they're talking about my fight. They said I'm going to lose. And they didn't know, you know, and whoever it might be. And we, like, that's a very tough position. Like, we, we don't know what, we, we, you know, if someone come out and said it to us, maybe we'd be able to do it. Maybe that it's actually not fair if someone comes out and, and says it to us because we should probably know about it for all fucking 42 fighters in the card. That's not possible. Like, it's just, just not possible. But, you know, we'll, but that's MMA. You know, that is MMA. Um, look, we better run through this. Charlie Ward is fighting Gregory Babin. Again, I think that should be a bit of a, a barn burner, a big fight for Charlie. Um, Derek Kelly, Kieran Clark fighting two, you know, relatively unknown guys. Kieran, like Derek Kelly, okay, he's still on, kind of on the way up four and zero. I think he looked improved last time out. Going back, you know, at featherweight again after going down the last time. Kieran Clark, I think he was talking to the lads in the old triangle, and they said this is the last uh, fight in his contract. So if he gets the eight and zero, Graham, you know, the world is the oyster really for for Kieran Clark. This is a huge fight for him, isn't it? Yeah, it is a huge fight for him, but, uh, you know, I saw, I saw him kind of in that interview talking about want, maybe kind of hinting at wanting to go to the UFC. I would uh, kind of caution against going in, even if he comes in and impressively wins here uh, in Dublin and Bellator, you know, I'd recommend kind of several more, a few more at least fights before, you know, going into a contender series or a UFC or something like that because, you know, getting in there too early, like while you're still kind of, you know, rounding out your game fully, I think can be detrimental as we, as we've seen in the past and, and worldwide, but also like, you know, certain, certain recent examples where maybe, you know, uh, for example, Reese McKee wasn't ready the first time when he went in there. I think he kind of said that in, in a roundabout way that, or that he's a lot more ready. He was a lot more ready on the second, even though he went in a loss, you know, he, he maybe was in there too early before and we've seen that happen loads of times you know we've seen guys who turn out to be top level uh ranked title contenders come in when they're when they're not you know they got a lot of potential they're they're really good but they're still developing and they're not ready and then when you're in the UFC you know there's there's only hard matchups in in certain divisions and things like that so yeah like I don't want to put me putting a throwing a, like a wet towel on it on it but I think I think for the the better of Kieran Clark's career, I'd recommend, you know, uh, waiting a little bit to get into the UFC, even though that yeah. sounds kind of counter uh, intuitive. I under, yeah, I understand what you're saying. Like it's it look, it is a difficult, it's a difficult thing. It's a, it's a real difficult thing because, like, what are the options after Bellator? Like, you know, it's he can't go to cage warriors because he's in he could go get three quick quick fights uh, like in an ideal world in like a year a year and a half or something like that you know uh, uh, this mad rush to get to the UFC I know like obviously the, the fame and the, the dream and all that stuff is is huge like and nobody turns down the UFC you see people get called in on the wrong weight class or you know across the world on a week and a half notice and things like that and they take it because it's the UFC and they completely understand that and you, you back your ability to go in there and do it but 
yeah, sometimes, you know, it's it's maybe better have a have a extra fight or two or three before before ending up there. Yeah. I I don't know see I actually think Kieran Clark is is an interesting one because he has kind of been battle tested over his last few fights and he's fought some good guys and you know they like that that uh, Rafael Hudson fight and things like I actually think he's probably a good example of a guy who almost has been battle tested enough to take the Have chance? we seen him go in there against a guy that we thought oh this is going to be extremely difficult and he might lose uh, there's a good chance he'll lose here and he's kind of you know we haven't really seen him tested in that way yet see the big problem with him is and that that's a fair point but to just counter like all of his fights have been short, short notice nearly because like he had opponents and then they fell out and like you know it's it's difficult to actually do that when it's like continuously opponents falling and like you could say like the when he when he was supposed to fight Sasu that was supposed to be like the step up when he was supposed to fight Care Harvey that was supposed to be the same like I, I do think the Hudson one was a bit of a, a step up like these last time out against Sinise as well like 11 and 5 guy but like like to be fair you're right but like if you look like if you look at his record right he fought John and Die in his third fight, eight and one, six and one, Jordan Martin, seven and two, Tunkara, and he was supposed to fight Sassy, supposed to fight Harvey, but he still fought a good guy. Like Hudson is a, a better fighter. Yeah, no, he's made it like the, the right progression. You know, I'm not saying that, and nothing that Kieran Clark's done or whatever that is wrong or anything, but I'm just, for his chances of being a successful UFC fighter, I think the safer call would be to not rush into the UFC. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with you necessarily. Yeah, but we'll look. We'll see how it, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, and, and you know, he needs to get the win first of all. And then we, we'll, I suppose, we we'll go from there. Uh, we mentioned uh, obviously Derek Kelly and Charlie Ward. Uh, Barney Wee against JJ Wilton. That's a good fight. Again, why is it on this card? Very odd. Piglad against Fernando. That's a, a big uh, a big step up for Luca Piglad as well. Uh, you know, obviously fighting out of out of SPG. He got that uh, that fantastic win over Oliver Incamp last time out, but also got the the Luca Nator over Dante Shiro, which people will probably uh, remember. So that's a big step up for him. Um, Asselio Juge, everyone I speak on SPG is just raves about Asselio. They're like, who's going to be the next champion out of out of SPG? Everyone. Asselio, Asselio, Asselio. Everyone says Asselio. So this is the guy you need to be watching. So yeah, that is... Um, we, we talked about Megaman Sharabov. Nijelski, that should be a good fight as well. But overall, Graham, I suppose it's, it's a good card. And... There's just too many fights. That's just too many problem. fights. Too many. There is too many fights. It's 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 kind of hard to get up for, right? Because all like it's been a problem for Bellator a lot of the time. It's like where are these people going now? Sinead, I suppose, is the only one in a fight that if she wins it, you know, we know where she's going. She's going towards the title. Whether it's the next well, one, well, we would never know with Bellator, even when they're be. not in yeah. flux of being sold or going to. Yeah. Admit but now, even with Sinead, or even with any, like you don't know where anyone's going because you don't know what's next. Like even like doing this preview, doing any preview for me over the last few weeks talking about Bellator I've been like well you know if they win this they could get a title if the title still exists <laughs> you know it's like, it's it's just such an odd fucking now we're talking oh, will they go to the UC will they go to you know yeah. is that's an option now because we don't know what's going on and we probably won't know until it's a done deal yeah like I, I, I remember when um I asked Danny McCormack a question when she Danny Nealon at the time about like they didn't have her division and she, I remember she said she'd only like one fight left in her contract or something I was like so what's the dream kind of to go to the UFC is it and uh, in a Bellator press conference but I feel like that's almost a question we have to ask everyone now you know 
It's like, oh, what are you going to do when Bellator dies type of thing? Which is terrible, because like... I, yeah, I'm I, sure all the Bellator staff are going to be... Uh, and I love that. ...delighted yeah, with yeah. those questions every, every interview. <laughs> Absolutely. But like... But know they know what? themselves that that's, you of know, course, their, yeah. their jobs are up in the air as well. Absolutely. So they're in the same... Feel really like, bad for know, those people. Like I'd, Some really good people there, like you, the you know. Yeah. We say a lot of things about, you know, Bellator, and we, we criticise them, but we also, you know, it's been some fantastic shows and, you know, huge events that, like... 10 years ago would have been unimaginable and they've done like you know a, a brilliant job it has to be said like without a shadow of a doubt like I, I said it's funny enough uh, you mentioned it there like on the start of my preview this week for, for uh, Sherlock I was like people like I've seen a few people in the last week shitting on Irish MMA and go oh we're not in a great state and all I'm like First of all, right, MMA in Ireland, along with Irish MMA. Remember a few years ago, you were like, oh, imagine a title fight in Ireland. Like, how many title fights have Bellator brought here now? We have another one coming up fucking next next Saturday. It's like, what? Like, this is brilliant. Like, this is fucking dream stuff. Like, we're, we have a load of fighters in the UFC at the moment. Okay, they lost their fights, but they'll be back, right? We have Sinead Kavanaugh. We have Liam McCourt. We have Brian Moore. We have Danny. We have so much stuff going on. For for people, some people though, it's the UFC and none of it else, nothing else matters. But like, it's so like, oh, not even that. But it's like, oh, you know, they lost three fights in the UFC. Irish fighters, oh, but shit, they shouldn't bring. I saw, did you see that? They shouldn't bring back the UFC to Dublin because a few Irish fighters lost. What a load of shit! What a load of fucking harsh shit! Like, I, I, I honestly, if a few God, Americans lose the debuts in a row, are they going to stop going to America? Honest <laughs> to God, these some fucking people, right? Some people are the greatest. Just, just like how many, how many million people? Was it four, four or five million people in the whole, the whole of Ireland? So yeah, like, they know, like I think Ireland. We're doing extremely. <laughs> we got Ian Gary, who's you know, on course to be, you yeah. know, uh, one of the best in the division, if not the best in division potentially going forward. Like I, I think he can do it if he keeps doing what he's doing. So. To have another guy come along who's at that level, you know, after Connor did what he did, historic, so whatever, all that stuff, everybody knows, um, is is you know, I thought this would wouldn't happen again for a long, long time, and here yeah. it is, and you know, uh, obviously, you know, losing a few debuts, if like you, you can look at the circumstances around a lot of them, and you know, it was, uh, it was an uphill battle from from before the before the bell and all that but you know at the end of the day i can see i can see you know if people don't don't like certain guys they can use this against them and that's how you yeah. know social media and everything is like so that's just kind of you got to just deal with it now like that's just uh, the way the world is and make no mistake about like when it happened it happened after key for loss you know there's like this anti sbg thing but the weird thing about it is right that anti-SBG thing, like, turns into, like, an anti-Irish MMA thing. Like, look at, let's say, Team KF. Look at uh, uh, Rodney's gym. Look at fucking, uh, you know, Paul Hughes's gym. Them lads about FAI. Like, they've all... Taylor Lockman over in Liverpool. Yeah, like. just putting all these lads down, like. Like, this is, to me, is absolutely ridiculous. Like, look at the guys coming out of Team KF. Like, look, Taka's fighting soon. Look at Leon Hill, how much he's improved over the last while. Look at James Sheehan, how much he's improved. Like, James Sheehan, okay, he's lost a couple of fights, but he's been in there and he's been competitive with Ian Gary. He's been competitive with, uh, you know, Oban Elliott, who are both in the UFC now. Like, we... The spread of fighters all around Ireland and the quality is it's just fantastic. Like, uh, I don't know. And I feel like this is the second time in a row we kind of have to come on here and defend Irish MMA. But like the thing about it, right, the thing about it is, if you just look at the UFC, Grant, whatever you want, 
Irish MMA is fucking punching above its weight class massively and has for years. And plus, we had how many years, Graham? Three or four years where you couldn't put on fights here. There's barely fights here on, on here at the moment. The amateurs couldn't fight. Yet, we, we, yet we're still there and we're still competing and we're still doing well. I don't. Know. I don't know what people want. I don't know what people expect. Do they expect everyone? How, how many people is it really? Is it just a loud, like minority uh, on social media? It's more than it, it should is. be. But it's it's stupid fucking idiots listening to those people as well, and then spouting that shit as well. Like it's ridiculous. Absolutely fucking ridiculous. We should be proud of our fighters. We should be proud of our gyms. What they're doing, you know. As and we cover it down the middle. You know, if they perform badly or they don't, whatever. But. A few losses. We have like our our job as media is to give perspective. If your perspective is anything but us massively overachieving, your perspective is just miles off, and your perspective is like boiled down to something that is not reality. Like there's no doubt about that. There's absolutely no doubt about that. And I I, I don't know. It just it boils my fucking blood like because the like. These people are trying their best, they're doing their best, they're having success for the most part. Coming out of a fucking small country, it's not, you know, it's not as if you know. I I think I think it's always funny, you know, when the rugby lads lose the quarterfinal and they come on, oh, we're oh, we're in a small country, we're doing well. They have massive, massive money, massive structure. These like old school systems to create like, yeah. talent and players, and you know <laughs> these teams that compete against other the other best teams, like in the Celtic nations, and now you know in Europe as well. It's like like we're like we have fucking you know Man Uniteds or Liverpools and stuff here in our country that can compete and give players to the Irish team so they can compete, right? We have none of that in, in Ireland. We didn't have fights in Ireland for years after the death of Joe Carvalho. Yet we're still trying to compete. Yet we still have someone like Ian Gary. Yet we still have someone like Conor McGregor. Yet we still produce the champion like Danny. Yet we still produce champions in cage warriors like Reese McKee, Kaelin, Joe. I'm probably forgetting a few, few more. We still produced a champion of tough like SPG did with, uh, with Brad Gatona. Johnny Walker could be one fight away from a title training out of Ireland. Norman Park on. won tough, like you know, like yeah. it's a lot, like massive achievements for the size of uh, the, the population, the country, and uh, the like zero funding, as you mentioned, and the lack of resources, and you know, uh, the kind of it's just to me, it's obvious that there's no even debate that Irish MMA is 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 doing phenomenally well, and if the fighters are you know have have outperformed what you would expect like statistically from like you know just rant, law of numbers or whatever yeah so yeah i i just yes, to me it just i couldn't give a shit to be honest what yeah. what these people are saying i need to get that rant out there anyway but sure look it happened and there we go um right i suppose uh what's what else uh ufc have a card next week we won't touch on that much what is fucking fight though fiziev and gamrat mitchell and Ege is a pretty good fight uh oh jesus tim means against andre fialo that's a fucking great fight i love that uh jacob malcoon is on that card as well oh actually as well i forgot to mention it last week um uh, Alan Vilpot got a very good win over a, a good fighter over in uh, over in Australia where he's uh, based these days as well. So shout out Alan Vilpot, one of the OGs. He got a great win as well. But um, Graham, this Fiziev Garmar fight, we leave it on this. Who do you think wins that one? Uh, I'd be leaning towards Fiziev, but uh, like if Gamrock can you know get enough takedowns, um, yeah, uh, it's a tough one to call. I like I like this fight a lot. I think. 
I think it's a, it feels like I've come win this impressively. It's a big statement. Um, Gamrot's an awkward matchup for kind of anybody. Uh, he's he's maybe known as just kind of a wrestler, but he's he's a lot more than that. Maybe his striking is a bit awkward in a way, but it, it, it's effective. You know, he, he he's a he's a dangerous guy. I, I wouldn't be surprised if either guy won, but I'd lean Fizayev. Yeah, the betting here, minus 150 for Fizayev, Gamrat plus 110. I think that's just about right. Yeah, I yeah would, it's basically a pick like, yeah. yeah, I would just lean Fizayev as well, but I think it'll be a good fight. I think, like, the problem with Gamrat as well is he's 24 fights into his career now, and this isn't, you know, a boxing 24 fights. This is a lot of fights in KSW. Five rounds Park. A lot of good eyes, fighters. Like, yeah. yeah. Like as you said, he's fighting Norman Park, fighting Marion Zelinsky, who's a very good fighter, 30 odd fights back in the day, you know, in there with fucking Mansour Barnoui, who who was on the Irish card as well, who I think we mentioned earlier on, and loads of good fighters all down, even early in his career fighting the likes of Andre Winner, you know. He's had so many fights and in Holtzman, Stevens, Fahea, Saryukin, Dariush, Turner in the UFC after Kuta Tladze and his first fight as well. You know, that's a lot of wear and tear and a lot of fucking effort in there as well to keep at it. But, you know, it also puts you in a place where you win fights like that Turner fight because you have that experience. Um, but yeah, it'll either work for him or work against him. I'm, I'm honestly not too sure. I was being very negative about it there, it felt like, but I don't know. I might, I might actually turn around. But yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that fight. As I, yeah, said. I really like this Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ege, Ege yeah, fight as well, yeah. you know. <sighs> You know, obviously coming off a loss there for against Taporia for Mitchell, but I think Taporia looks really, really good. But it's uh, as we talked about earlier, you know, bouncing back from your first loss and you know getting finished and and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it's a different kind of mental game and different kind of pressure and things like that. You know, Ige's come back from losses before. He's fought some some top guys. Uh, you know, he's lost kind of decisions to the top guys a lot of the time. You know, he beat as in Barboza and and Bektic in kind of his best kind of run there, but it's kind of been a bit hit and miss since then. So a little bit of you don't know what to expect from Ige. So that's another kind of uh, interesting interesting realm to this fight. Yeah, like this is another pick him, I think. This is another really hard one to know how it's going to look. Yeah, like the thing about Bryce Mitchell is he looked like a guy who's just going to take everyone down until Tapuria went in there and showed exactly what you need to do. Like Ige can do that as well but he's nowhere near as good as Tapuria but the thing about Mitchell is what we talked about earlier on the confidence does he still have the confidence to go all out wrestle 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 if he does I think he will win if he doesn't um, I think Ige will beat him up on the feet but I do think the takedowns work also a big factor here Graham as well did you hear the news about Bryce Mitchell his ex-girlfriend uh, killed his fruit trees so I don't know. Oh, geez, I thought you were going to say something completely different there when you say <laughs> killed. I was like, what the hell? What's going on here? No, yeah. And he's, no, I didn't even hear this. No. So Bryce Mitchell geez. is married, but his ex girlfriend came and, like, I don't know, did she cut down his fruit trees or, like, poured acid on them or something? But but if you don't. What they say is, doesn't hell, hell have no fury like a woman scorned? Indeed. But <laughs> Bryce Mitchell is like. He he uh I actually saw him, he was on with T.O. Vaughn. I saw a clip of it. And he gave T.O. What was it? Oh, I can't remember. But it was some. Was it? It wasn't maple syrup, but it was something like that, some sort of drink. Um, and he was like, "Oh, I've been preparing this for like five years or something with my fruits and things." So, like, 
if you were fucking growing trees for like five years to prepare them and someone like knocked them down or something, I, I know we all yeah. laugh at Bryce Mitchell. You know, no, like, no, no, no. Some people delicate. like, you know, take their garden extremely seriously and like grow, grow things for like, you He's know. He's a farmer too, for, as well, like. Yeah, for a particular like. reason. And that is like a lot of, like, it's not easy to keep, like, you know, try grow like a, a sunflower or even or something. <laughs> you know, it takes a lot of, a lot of care. And We've a dead one out the front of our house. I know all the I know well about it, yeah. You know, some uh, people, you know, uh, that's a lot of, like, some people, you know, they have, like, uh, you know, hobbies, like, you know, to, to pigeons or gardens or whatever, and it means a lot to them, and, like, who's, who are we to say that shouldn't, you know, and is somebody doing something like that, if, if I think maybe if, you know, Bryce Mitchell had gone and done that to, you know, an ex-girlfriend or something, it would have been a, oh, he's a monster, but when it happens to him, I don't know, people just think it's funny or something, it's, it's very yeah. strange. Yeah, and it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> definitely was funny but I, I do feel bad for him I do. I just think the ex-girlfriend when you're married thing is just a wild now. like how long has she yeah I was, just, I was just wondering how long have they been yeah. married and what's going on with this woman <laughs> was, like? was it a shotgun marriage or something yeah but anyway we'll uh, we leave it there uh, the lads Ian and Harry do a fantastic job they will have the breakdown from the weekend of all the fights that we didn't talk about plus the ones we did plus they will have a preview of this wonderful UFC card coming up. This is the week as well. If you haven't already subscribed to Severe Man YouTube, I will be up in Dublin uh, Thursday. We have the media day, so we will have videos out from all of that. Um, and we will be speaking to the two people in the title fight. We will be speaking to Aaron Pico, Pedro Carvalho, all the Irish fighters as well, Sinead Kavanagh, Dara Kelly, every single one of them that are there. And uh, we will have them for you on Severe MMA. So check that out please smash the like button hit subscribe they're over on youtube but here as well wherever listen to this whether it's spotify soundcloud wherever it might be and uh if you want to support us uh for this week especially because i'm paying like fucking 900 quid for hotels you can go over to patreon patreon.com forward slash severe podcast and like if you're thinking like oh support us this money literally pays for my hotels <laughs> so like I, mean, I literally took out the money this week to pay for the hotels so uh yeah if you want to support us uh with that so we can get our coverage out there like no other let's be honest patreon.com forward slash severe podcast and also support our friends over at Caldera Lab. They massively support us. They help our coverage. So um, CalderaLab.com use the promo code SEVEREMF for twenty percent off to uh, get some lovely um, face moisturizing stuff. So yeah, we leave it there. So so no no bright Brighton Man United talk. Man United got beaten by a better team with a better. Better players and a better manager. What, what, like, what do you want me to say? You know. I don't know. I, I just want you to say whatever you want to say about the, the whole uh, season so far. I, I be looking forward to Bayern Munich and in the midweek. I, uh, I will be traveling to Dublin during the Bayern Munich game, and I will be <laughs> at Bellator during the. I think it's Burnley we have this weekend, isn't? Maybe I'm not sure. It's eight o'clock on Saturday game, so I will not see the next two Man United games, which I am delighted about. <laughs> so that's absolutely. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're putting the cool on them. Maybe they'll, they'll be much better without you. I hope so. When I come back. Hopefully it'll be a bit better, but uh, yeah. You know, it's like Bryce Mitchell's fruit trees. Like I, I love them so much. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I love them so much, and they. Just, I get. What do I get back? Fucking dead trees. That's what I get back. Fucking Marcus Rashford moves as much as fucking Bryce Mitchell's fruit trees. Standing in the oh, 
Fuck. The, that new started. goalkeeper's quite good though, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> in fairness though, I'm a die like I was so right about him. I said it on the preview we did. What did I say about Jaden Sancho a few years ago as well, Graham? Wasn't I dead fucking right about him? Yeah, he's he's been scapegoated nicely along with uh, <laughs> a lot of other uh, ten hag scapegoats. Yeah, the whole Ronaldo was the first, Harry Maguire, <laughs> Sancho, the, who's who's next? Nobody's safe. Is that why they uh, wanted Johnny Evans so they can scapegoat him <laughs> later in the season? Uh maybe. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Right, we leave it there. Go on, Graham, give us your quote for the week. Your eyes are burning holes through me. I'm not scared. I'm out of here. See you next week. Good luck. <laughs>